This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is, a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially as you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that, that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode 549, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Oh, 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 brother, pole. I saw your legends lined up, and I never felt more natural apart. I just came apart Please, 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 Sister Socrates You always answer with a question Show some kindness to a petty thief Forgive Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick Week Podcast, episode 5, 4, 9 Niner Niner My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here He's back! We found him, Connor Kilpatrick. Whatever you guys said I did or didn't do or was off doing, it, it went well or didn't go well, whatever is funnier. I believe we said you're on the run. Oh, I, yeah. I, I said something about you were on the hunt for the one-armed man. It went well. I, I found him. Good. Excellent. Thank goodness. Turned out it wasn't him. Well, you know what? This <laughs> has all been I a big mix-up. I don't care. <laughs> I just wasted my life. Sorry. <laughs> and that is Josh Flanagan. We are the gentlemen from iFanboy.com, and we like comics usually. And every week we read our stack of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book, and we call that the Pick of the Week. And we come here to talk about that book as well as the other comics that came out, some other fun stuff. We read some of your emails. You know, we just, we just kind of chat it up like bros. Bro chat. Oh. Bro chat. That's all. Yeah, mostly bro chat, some comics. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> mostly bro chat, some comics. So he's back from being on the run. So therefore, Connor inherited the pick. Connor, take it away. Oh, wait, did I do a spoiler warning? I didn't do a spoiler warning. We're going to talk about what happens in the book, so deal with it. Connor. You guys know that when we go out of town or go away, we tend to not read our comics. And then we come back to a giant stack of them. Yeah. I've been plowing through three weeks of comics in the last. Do you do, do you do what I do? Is that like on that week, I go, I'll just get to it the next time that book comes out. Yeah. That got me this week really badly. Oh, I did. I did that back in early July when I was out, and then that got me badly as well. Because because well, I read I read um, a Civil War offshoot book that dealt with the Hulk with the dealt with the Hulk trial before I read Civil War four, and I was it was all screwed up. Well, the DC double shipping was making it worse. There was, there was some book I had like three issues to read. I was like, how is that possible? I, it's very. I think double shipping is a is a misnomer. I think they're just they're just it's it's like it's like every chance we get shipping. Put them out the door. So this week, the I had a bunch of books that I really enjoyed, but the pick was Nightwing number three from Tim Seeley and Javier Fernandez. And Josh and I talked about the first issue. I guess it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And is this a weekly book? It seems like it. It Everything really seems does like, seem like it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this was Nightwing number ten. Yeah, I I just love this. I don't know. I edited that out. I love this book. <laughs> And we talked about the first issue, how much I enjoyed the, the Dick Grayson Barbara scene. And, and Barbara's been a constant presence in the book, so at least for these first three issues. Before I get into the story and how much I love how Tim Seeley writes his characters, I want to say how much I really enjoy how the Javier Fernandez art. He has this really great style. It's fluid. 
which is really important for a character like Dick Grayson who's constantly jumping around. And uh, he has this great quality to him. Everyone is sort of live, and there's some great uh, action. Se- there's a great action sequence in the middle of this book where they're going through the, uh, this maze house, and there's this, this just wonderfully laid out double page spread. It's I'm just that was I, great. That that was great. That that. Yeah. that. Sequence. Got a little lost in it, storytelling-wise. I opened it up and went, wow, that's great. And then I went, I don't know if I'm supposed to go right or down. You have a real problem with that. You go down and then you go over. That's how every page works. That is not how every page yes, works. Yes, it is. You go down but and you go over. my first instance, when I saw that page from a, from a sort of design standpoint and like how it was rendered, I thought it was really good. So that was my first instinct. And then I thought, oh, does it go across? And I, it goes left to right. That's, that's what it does. And then you go down after that. You go down first, then over. Not how any comic book page works. Yes, that's in how the they all States. work. That's how all of them work. When you have a problem with left pa- left-handed panel stacking, it's down and then over. That's how all of them work. All carry them. on. I just love this book. We talked about how much fun Tim Seeley seems to be having writing it. Uh, when he co-wrote the book with the Grayson book with Tom King, who's now writing Batman, uh, it was a bit more serious. This seems to be having Tim Seeley unleash his sillier side. Saying Tom King's work can be overly serious. No, but it's he has a more serious tone to to it, and this yeah, is no. Tim Seeley's sort of not unfiltered, not uh, what was that book? Uh, what was his book that he blew up with that we loved? Hack slash. Hack slash. It's not hack slash level mm-hmm. Tim Seeley, but it's it's a sillier. It's a bit sillier. Um, Tim Tim can. I mean, I mean, he's got a lot of range. Yes. And yes. and he also he also likes entertainment and when i think he's at his best when that comes across in his writing and yeah. and like this is a case of that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. revival so, crosses many genres as well right yeah so in this story in this particular story uh the parliament of owls which is the international organization that the court of owls is part of uh has tim uh not tim dick grayson under their thumb wor- working for them internationally so he's he's still running around the globe which i don't love from the grayson book but i'm dealing with it and he's got a partner here, the, the Raptor, who is basically the bad boy version of Dick Grayson. He's funny and charming in the same way Dick is, but he, while Dick is a good guy with a heart of gold, uh, this guy is a bad boy, and he may or may not have a heart of gold. We're, we're trying to figure that out. And in this issue, there's a couple of double switches on us where we, don't, we think he's one way, and we, then he switches on us, and he switches back. And I bought into both of the switches. When, he, when, he, when you think he's, he's betrayed Barbara and Dick, I bought into that. And then when he comes back around, yep. I was surprised again. So I think he, Tim's Seeley's writing a really rollicking adventure here with a bunch of really uh, appealing protagonists drawn really well by Javier Fernandez. And for right now, this is just a super fun uh, superhero book. Yeah, it was it was funny because I like when we remember we talked about Nightwing Rebirth and I said I, I loved it and I was gonna I was gonna stick with the book. Yeah, and I surprised have surprised you were sticking. Uh, with and it. I have well, and by by but the thing was by issue two, I, I, issue one I wasn't really feeling it because I was like oh I don't want him to be traveling and I don't care about yeah. the owls and this right. raptors business and all this sort of stuff. And then issue two, I the the injection of Batgirl. I'm sorry, the um the inclusion of Batgirl into the book. Which then continued into this, added like a spark of that heart that I liked from the rebirth issue. Right. Actually, this issue was great just because of the twists and turns, and you think you know which way it's going. The only thing that I don't quite understand is apparently they're applying some Game of Thrones level travel time in these books. (laughs) Because all I know is that between the past two issues, they've gone from Gotham to Tokyo to wherever they are in this scene. Like it's just like no jet lag. Just no DC superheroes are immune to jet lag. (laughs) I want Dick to take a nap in the middle of this. Also, just general physics of the distance and time travel. That's all. <laughs> like, well, uh, but um, but but you know, barring that, this was. I mean, it, this was. It's got that. It's got that energy. It's got that excitement, and it's got that heart. And I, I just, I, I'm, I'm still on board, and I, I really like it. So. Yeah, I mean, Barbara's gone now. She's she's taken off pissed at Dick, but uh, this these three issues with her in the mix was great. They should, they should bring her back as much. These as these post bridge issues. Post bridge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in it's, my it's mind, nice, the bridge scene has just continued for three issues, in my mind. It's nice post bridge work. <laughs> Good bridge what work. I found. Well, you know, what's, <laughs> what's interesting is that, so I, I, I'm really starting to look at my books and think I have to cut some of these because they're coming out so often. Like, it's hours and hours and hours and hours of reading on, on a week now to get through. But I, can't, I haven't been able to figure out what. And this was one I was like, well, I like it. But I, I know, do I need to read or whatever? And I started reading. I was like, it is really good, though. It's really good. And that happened to me a bunch of times. It happened to me a bunch of times with DC books, which is so unfamiliar. I figure I can just cut from there because that's always been an easy call. Right. 
But there's actually yeah. it's actually some pretty compelling stuff happening. Um and I feel like I'm going to miss it if I don't keep reading it. The schedule is killer. But yeah. the point being this was the first one that I read and I thought, well, let maybe this is on the chopping block. If I'm not enjoying it, I'll stop and and I I read through the whole thing and then you said it was pick of the week and I was like, yeah, of course that is. That even for you like it's it's totally it's 100% Connor pick of the week. Right. But I also yeah. thought it was it was really good and it Despite my instincts, I was like, I can't cut this now. Yeah. <laughs> and I this want is, to. This is a totally weird little design thing, and I'm going to surprise everyone by complimenting a DC Comics costume design. But oh. for some reason, I really love the light blue palms of his hands. Wow. Because it, he's it, getting really specific well, now. Well, because you can actually see, you know, he's, he's, all, he's all in black otherwise, and you really can't see. But this gives you the detail in his, what he's doing with his hands. Yeah, which is I can see that the knuckles are good. Yeah, the knuckles are good, and then he's then, then you turn his palms around. And he's got these sort of ribbed light blue hands, and you can actually see them. So when he gestures, it, Who colored it stands this? out. This is a nice. The coloring uh, is by Sotomayor. Uh, yeah, it's, that it's is Supreme a guy. Court Justice, he's a, Sotomayor. He's a he's a like he's a name I've known for a while. He's a yeah. good colorist, but uh, I feel like he's taken on some of the qualities of some of the other folks who are coloring this a little more flatter. Yes. Um, it's it's kind of bold, like it, like there's sort of bits of very flat color and then almost none, and everybody sort of pops out. It's nice. It's a, it's a little it's a little modern touch, I think. Yeah, this is the, this this whole package is good. The the, yep. the the creative team up and down uh, is is really strong. This is one of DC's best books right now. Uh, Nightwing number three. I read two and three together, or one, two, and three. I, I read two and three together, and they were a nice little package. Nice. So uh, this was a really fun Nightwing number three pick of the week. Uh, Tim Seeley is really doing a great job, and Harvey Fernandez. I like how Raptor has like a, a store bought mask that only covers <laughs> the front half of his forehead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, the thing about it is, is that I think a big part of it is I, I, I really do like the art, in it, and I can't tell you how we're not. It's not on. We're not talking about it this, this time around, but while we're on DC, but like. The fact that Green Arrow number five shipped mm. this week and they wrapped up the storyline and it's not that original artist that right. we, you know like that's my that's my fear about I mean and basically they're taking the Marvel approach which right. is you know you know don't get too used to an artist because b- before you know it they'll be gone because of the shipping um, which you know us as old fogies and comic fans right. you know kind of that that goes against what we want out of yeah, it that, but that I really get hurt Green it. Arrow yeah really. Let's do another ratings segment. Ratings. 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 <laughs> Never-ending ratings. <laughs> this is the problem. We talked about this way, way back when these books first came out. By piecemealing them out, it makes the ratings segment less impactful. But let's continue on ratings. with our rating segment, ratings. which we uh, borrow from our friends at Mates and read a comic, rate a comic, review a comic. Pick a comic, read a I don't remember. It's been two weeks. I don't know. If this is your first episode of iFanboy, we are ripping off Mike and Tom Eat Snacks because we like that podcast. So we pick a comic, read a comic, rate a comic, the PRR system, and we are rating all the Rebirth issues. Supergirl Rebirth, number one, written by Steve Orlando with art by Emmanuel Lupacino. And uh, this happened. I was going to say this. This was not bad, no. but it, I, I, it was horribly pedestrian. Yes. I, I, you know what? I think it was a bit of a low-grade train wreck. Yes. I yeah. think there are a lot of really basic things that could have been done better to have made it clearer. Yep. Like, we were jumping around in time a little bit, and at the end of it, I don't, maybe we weren't. Like, that's the thing is, I was like, did they forget to write, like, earlier today or, or you know... And then basically you have three main character, three main female characters who all look exactly the same. Yep. All blonde, blonde. Well, listen, Chase's hair covers half of her face at all times, which is really a professional look for a director of a government. Right, and the, and the other, the other one wears a hat and Supergirl, Supergirl. Well, that's, a, that's, you know, that's before, we back, before we get into it, let's explain to Josh because he doesn't know. Uh, okay. what, what The Flash does really well is incorporate elements from the TV show into it pretty seamlessly and Green Arrow is doing it the same way with the inclusion of John, the John Diggle character here. Shadow. We have I, yeah, the, I figured this was TV stuff. We have the shoehorning in of part of the TV series, which is, to me, the one of the worst parts of the series, which is her being an agent of the DEO working with... Oh, I thought, you say her, I thought you were going to say her being a brunette. No, her being an agent of the DEO working with her family, who are also agents in the show. It's her sister. In, right. in the comic, it's her parents. In the, in the, in the show, I think her parents were... Agents of the DEO earlier, you know, in their younger days. But anyway, I saw, I rolled my eyes when I saw that because it, it, it's really terrible in the show. But uh, 
that is why you have this convoluted thing where she's working for the Department of Extra Normal Operations. Yeah. Yeah, I, and, and and I just felt as if it was like sh- they shoehorned a lot into this issue. Mm-hmm. And there was stuff that made me think I was supposed to know what they were referring to, but I didn't because I haven't been reading Supergirl. So maybe maybe to a Supergirl fan, it makes sense. But I felt like a lot of stuff was being shoehorned, and then it was like, all right, well, we need to wrap this up quickly so we can get on with the series. So this is this is one of those like level setting books, right. you know, where it wasn't necessarily kicking off the storyline, but rather saying, okay, this is the world you're going to live in. And I, I gotta admit, I, I really not to not to not to channel Mike Romo too much, but I really got a bit of a problem in making her alter ego a brunette and Supergirl's a blonde, and not telling me how that happens. That's always how it is, though. She's always yeah. been a brunette in her in her regular life. Yeah. Yeah. That is not the problem. She with wears this. a wig. That's, and that, she wears a wig. That's just. But they never show the wig. I want to see it's the a, wig. That's you, you imply the wig exists. Yeah. Uh. Why are her, why are her parents dressed like Han Solo? Why are they the same age as her? <laughs> exactly. Why are they not her parents? Why did we find out that they were parents after the page after they said these are your parents? Right. Like, <laughs> everything was weird. It was so weird. And and then I, I like there was the Kryptonian who was a werewolf, and I went, all right. Yeah. Yeah. It just pedestrian is sort of what what came like it wasn't. It was very pedestrian. It wasn't it was a shit show. Super. You know the art wasn't but really like honestly like. Comic book should be comic book 101 and it isn't. But like, lest we remember uh, Gabe Hardman on Secret Avengers with his nine male lead blonde characters. Right. <laughs> like you ha- can't have three identical female. They all they all have the same face. Yeah, and I like Emmanuel Lupacino's art. Yeah, the uh, art the art was, was pretty good, but like that design was that was a, that's a failure. Yeah, you know, and and it's confusing. So you yeah. basic stuff you gotta you gotta put them in different. Yeah, it's too much. Now it's tough because we've seen some of these rebirth issues have been questionable, and then the the series have turned out differently. So I'm struggling because I do really like the character of Supergirl, and so I might just check out the first issue to see if the pro- the problems persist, and if they do, then well, the, well, this is this is this is probably the most blatant case of hey, let's make this line up with the TV show, which. I think is fine because we've been slacking a Supergirl, co- uh, you know, like the, the, you know, the Supergirl show. I have admittedly, I didn't watch the entire first season. I'm about halfway through. Um, I have, uh, I got some delays in May and June. Right. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but the, the show was mostly, po- I mean, I don't think it's as good as flash or arrow no, or legends tomorrow, but it was, it was good. I liked what I saw. So clearly they're giving us a Supergirl book, which we've been lacking for years, and they're making it line up with the TV well, show, which makes there sense from a... Supergirl a... book in the New 52. Yeah, no, but it's been a while. I mean, there, there, there wasn't a Supergirl book when the TV show launched. No, it, was, it had been canceled. Yeah, right. So, so at least a year, you know. And then, so, so we've got the corporate synergy box checked. Right. I just feel as if they leaned a little too heavy on the corporate synergy box and not enough on the good comic book and box. So for the, yeah. the series going forward, Steve Orlando is the writer. It looks like Brian Ching is the artist. And it ships okay. a month, and it's a monthly book, not a double, double week or weekly book or whatever the fuck they are now. Uh, so I'm going to give the first issue a shot just to see because I do really like her. But, uh, mm-hmm. but I wasn't thrilled. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot because I'll give any number one issue a shot, um, much like our next book. But uh, well, yeah, but okay. So let's one. do our ratings. Ratings, here, ratings. ratings, ratings, Ron. Um, I give it a two and a half. Josh. No, I give it a two. I'm sorry, two. Josh. Yeah, two. two, two. I give it a two as well. Sticking with it, Ron. No. You just said you might. Nah, I'll read the first issue. But well, I'm that's not sticking gonna, with I'm it. Not, I'm not committing to sticking with it. No, I'll but that's read reading the next issue. issue. That means right, that, the, sticking with it means you're going to read the next one. Like, I'm not okay, going yes, to. Yes, and I'm sticking with it. Yes. Yeah. All right, I, I'm going to read the next one as well. I'm sticking with it. So let's move on to okay. a book that I was really surprised to see on the rundown. And in fact, I mean, they had to go back and read it. I was planning on it originally. Suicide Squad, number one, written by Rob Williams, art by. It says art by Jim Lee and Scott Williams, but those first couple of pages, I don't know who drew those. Well, that, that's one of, the re- one of the main reasons why I wanted to add it to the rundown. Because so, you know, Suicide Squad, the movie just came out. We had the Suicide Squad Rebirth book, but this is the, the big launching of the one. And Jim Lee's drawing it. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And it, it's just dredge. Yeah. I it just, it just was not good. And part of it was that I wanted to make you guys read it too. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. 
<laughs> but <Nope>. um, <laughs> but like I I I mean I I get evolution of style and life and all this other stuff. But wow, does a Jim Lee drawn book not command the attention it once did? No, it, it I I really thought that I really later on in the issue I thought it looked it felt more like a Jim Lee book. But I thought those first couple of pages I would bet money that Jim Lee did not draw them. Yeah, the faces, don't, late the faces don't even look like Jim Lee faces. And yeah. these faces all and then, look the same. And then furthermore, like I didn't, I didn't really discern any difference between this and the Rebirth book. Well, some of the series I, have been like that. They just, just straight on continuations yeah. of the Rebirth books. Yeah, but but I mean, but like, but like the reintroduction of characters yeah, and it's just, I and I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just sour on the whole Suicide Squad existence, and so I just, I, it, it, it yeah. I, actually, honestly, I thought as a comic book, I thought the Rebirth book, book was better than this one. I didn't like either one. Yeah. The Suicide Squad is a weird concept for me. I, I've enjoyed it through the years here and there, but I didn't enjoy either of these. I think it's this mix of characters. Yep. You know, in the past you had really lower tier, like Bronze Tiger. I don't think Harley Quinn works at all in this scenario. Yep. That's what, that's what we both came up with. Before. I don't like Killer Croc on the team. Yep. Like, it's just, I don't like the way Jim Lee drew Killer Croc. I mean, just everything about... I didn't, even, I didn't get to talk about it in the podcast, but I hated the way Killer Croc looked in the movie. Like, it just... Uh, Let me ask uh, you this. Man. Uh, I didn't read it. So, how's Rob Williams... Because these feel like a lot of... Like, here are the people on your team. This is the person drawing it. How did he handle that? It's Because he's a guy whose work we've really liked. If you've read... You read the Rebirth one, I assume, in the... Yeah. It's the same. Exactly the same. Exactly okay. the same. It's worth uh, for hire. I also, I just... <laughs> Deadpool... Not Deadpool. Uh, Deadshot... Uh, he he suffers from the same problem that they that dead stroke does. There's too many deads. There's a um, dead stroke. Death, death stroke. stroke. Death stroke. Um, It'd be great if they split it that. Then then here's dead stroke. He this, he this, dead stroke would be great. I really would like to see dead stroke. Death death death. Fuck dead dead shot. Um, <laughs> had a great <laughs> strokes. He had a great. I just had a stroke. He had a great iconic. Ca- uh, face mask, at least, and they gave him the same sort of overdesigned modular. Oh, that's what we talked. We talked. You weren't on the show. We talked yeah. about it in the re- the rebirth book is the the the, the dead shot, the dead stroke <laughs> character uh, ca- uh, costume is horrendous. Yeah. It is like everything everything wrong with Silvestri yep. Top Cow yep. influenced late '90s costumes for some reason. Back 20 years later. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. I don't I don't get that at, at all. You had so. these great iconic looks. They were smooth yep. and. And they just overly designed now. Just yes, it feels like Wildstorm, and it's just. Yep. Ugh, I didn't even like that as a kid. Yeah, no, it feels more top cowy than anything, to be honest with you. But um, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, oh, and so it's just, I don't know. I just, uh, this is probably the last Suicide Squad thing I look at for a long time. <laughs> All right, well, let's. I don't, uh, I don't know. Put that put that on the cover. This is the last Suicide Squad I look at. <laughs> Suicide Squad thing I look at for a long time. A, uh, a strong contender for Pick of the Week was Briggs Land Number One from Dark Horse, written by Brian Wood, art by Mac Chatter, which is an awesome name. And uh, did you guys read this? Ballsy. In this, no, no, no. Convince me. This was. This is basically Brian Wood returning, much like the Black Road, which we can talk about next, is him returning to Northlanders. This is him returning to DMZ, DMZ doing political, uh, real world political. Uh, extrapolation story. So here, we, we we the Briggs family owns many, many, many dozens of acres up in upstate New York, and they are a white supremacist uh, enclave that, that does not consider themselves part of the United States government. And this is about uh, the not only two FBI agents trying to to investigate them, but also the the family falling apart because the father's uh, in jail; he's not getting out. So there's a power struggle between the, his wife and his the, her sons, and uh, it's a yeah it. In a very like mafia-inspired esque way, that the dad is running the family from prison after being arrested for attempting to assassinate the president right. or intending to, you know. And so the wife, uh, his the mother, makes a power play and tells him he's out and she's taking everything over. But the sons, all you know, are split in terms of their support. Some are loyal um, to the dad. Some are lo- one's one's loyal to the mom. One's loyal to the dad. And one is sort of a wild card. And yep. uh, and one and one has a and one has a swastika tattooed on his neck. Right. Well. So there you go. I'm reading it. I was just like, I mean, it was really interesting. But I, what I found compelling about it is that I don't know who I'm rooting for. Right. At least in D, with DMZ, you knew you had Maddie, and and he was our 
you know, protagonist or whatever. But in this case, am I rooting for the mom who's not so evil? Like, it's... <laughs> but we don't know. We don't know. I mean, ostensibly we're rooting for the FBI agents, but they seem some, something shady going on with them. It feels like, um, or maybe just the paranoia that you get from reading this issue. This is like scalped. Kind of, and, and I don't know. Have... I don't know. This is a long-term book. It says part one of three. I can't imagine. It's I, only I just three mean parts in terms stuff. of like there were no good guys. He's like, I don't know who well, I want the, to win. Yeah, to, be, to, to be clear, other than other than them, them being partners who are having sex, the FBI agents have done nothing wrong. I just reading this book, I felt paranoid about everything. Yeah. So I don't know that they are completely good or not. They have done nothing to display that they are not good. Did I mention that one of the sons has a swastika tattooed on his neck? You did. He looks like an accountant, okay. and he has an office <laughs> in a furniture store. Yep. Um, swastika. But uh, well, it only peeks out a little bit over the collar. So. Yeah, yeah, they didn't show. They didn't show the whole thing. It just suggested. No, that's yeah. just a seven. <laughs> um, <laughs> Josh, this is up your alley. Okay. It really is. I'm surprised you didn't read it. To be honest. There's a lot of books. I know there is. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good first start. I just felt uncomfortable throughout the whole thing, which I think is good. So yeah, that's, that's the point, good. right? Yeah, that's the point. The title page says part one of three, so I don't know. This is a book that came pre-sold to a TV network. So I don't know if this is just a miniseries okay. as a proof of concept or if this is an actually ongoing or if it's just a miniseries in general. I'd be really surprised if it's only three issues because it seems like there's a lot of story to tell, but we'll see. Right. As of right now, it's really interesting. Something really interesting happened at the end. I'm not going to spoil it because I feel like most people probably haven't read this. Yeah, don't spoil it. Let's not spoil it this time. There's so. a big thing that happens at the end and you go, oh. So it's, I really oh. like this. This was really close. I think... Probably uh, the only doubt, the only the Mac chat art was okay. It's sort of in the Michael Lark school. Yeah, it, it got the job done, but it didn't, you know, didn't blow me away or anything. Yeah. So uh, I had read Black Road number four immediately before reading Black Road number five, and I and I still thought I skipped an issue. Right. And yes. I don't mean that in a bad way. It just is the the way that it it sort of jerked around. I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? I'm really enjoying this series. A yes, lot. this is the best issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and it is, and there's a big turnaround that happens in this issue, and we don't really know, but you become very hungry to know. Like, yeah. just wait, wait, how, why is this happening? What's going on? And you're just getting, and the world is just starting to get filled in a little better, especially over the last two issues um, with this one. But also, just, I'm, I'm really enjoying the art and the, the sort of just the tone of it, mm-hmm. I think, visually, and also also just the story and who this guy is. His dick was in this, just just pointing that out. The swerve in this issue was really great. It completely upended what we thought we knew of those, of these characters in the world, and it did, and it made total sense in the moment. Like you like you said, we don't know why things are happening, but right as you're reading it, and you, it dawns on you what's happening, you're like, oh, 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 shit, and yeah. that was like when when the thing happens. And I know we're walking around it. We we give the spoiler warning, but these are books that most people don't read. Uh, when, yeah, and I, and I don't want to spoil it for people. When the thing that happens in the, in the very beginning, someone gets shot multiple times with a crossbow, I was, I was like, what, 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 and then it just went from there. It was, uh, it was really good. This was what you thing. think is so ain't necessarily so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's I I just I see this book I get excited about it because the covers all sort of share a similar design. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. it's a great cover, by the way. They all kind of look the same from a distance, but as you look at sort of the piece of artwork that you know where where they built these mountains and this sky and these two sort of figures in the foreground, it's really great. It's a totally different kind of style that, that Gary Brown uses yeah. for the covers and he uses for the uh, the interiors. Yep. If I had a band, I'd call it Pagan Burning. <laughs> that's a good name. You'd, it, good you'd have to have it. You really have to be within a certain genre, though. Oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> that's a, that's a tough folk act to sell. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I'm a, a singer songwriter guitarist type with a beard. <laughs> Pagan burning. You didn't have to say with a beard. So, um, Josh, <laughs> uh, did you read Black Hammer? Because uh, Ron and I talked about it when you were gone. It was the pick of the week, the first issue. This is from Dark Horse, also from Jeff Lemire no. and Dean Ormston. No, no I, not only I've not listened to the show. That you talked about it, so I've been a little I've been a little down on Jeff Lemire. No, I have this not is kept this is Jeff Lemire's indie stuff style. This is him this doing. Is, oh. This is this is the, we talked about it in the when I made a pick of the week and Josh to catch you up. This is a cross between Doom Patrol and Essex County. Yes. Ima- right. imagine, imagine if Doom Patrol lived in Essex County. It's a story of a golden age superhero team that has been 
exiled by some magical force that they don't know to live in a small rural town they can't escape from. They can't even leave the town. Other people can leave the town, but they can't. They've been there for years, and they're trying to figure out how to escape. Black Hammer is the only member of the team who didn't make it. He, he, he either escaped or he died trying. They don't know, but he's not with them. And since he's in the title, I assume that we'll find out. It very much feels like his Essex County-esque work, but with Golden Age superheroes in it. And I even like that when we flash back to see them in action in their younger days, we, he sort of writes it in a Golden Age style, yep. which I really enjoy. Um, and the art's wonderful. But yeah. this, is, this is another great issue of it, Ron, after your pick, um, which I'm glad you oh. made because I wouldn't have read it otherwise. Yeah, and honestly, this didn't even, it feels like, I mean, I, I was going to say, this just feels like the next chapter. It feels like almost like the next issue. It's almost but like, like this issue, too, yeah. Yeah, no, but like, but the thing Gonna stick with it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's not like a big cliffhanger at the end. Like, I, I feel like if he did this in a graphic novel format like he did yes. Essex County, it would be just as rewarding, and this is just breaking it up into issues. But, um, yeah, this is great. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, this is his slower, peeling back the, the layers style. And uh, I, I think all these characters are really interesting right now. I mean, I you know the, the the little girl who's basically Shazam trapped in the little girl's body is is the main character of this issue. But I really like the sort of side story with the guys trying to send the probe out past the, the borders of the town, and yeah. that was probably my favorite sequence of it. Josh, I, I strongly recommend you check it out. Strongly, all right, as in <laughs> strongly. So in the meantime, uh, I strongly recommend you, the listener. To go to ifanboy.com slash support to check out the various ways you can help support the show. Because as you heard me say at the top of the show, at the very beginning when you press play, this show is brought to you by listeners just like you. And that's by people who went to ifanboy.com slash support and uh, chose to help us out and by sending some money our way. There's a couple ways you can do it. Uh, the first way, the most consumerism way, is to shop at Amazon. Uh, if you yeah. go to ifanboy.com slash support, there's a banner that will take you over to Amazon. And there's a little bit of secret code in there, a little magic uh, pixie dust that means that every time you make a purchase on Amazon, we get a couple of dollars from Amazon, not from you. No money comes out of your pocket. It's more Amazon thanking us for sending you to them. It's a lovely economy. It's amazing. So please continue to do that. Do all your shopping on Amazon. Yeah, buy, Plus through buy, a series of tubes. <laughs> I would like you to buy a, a ride-on mower at Amazon, and then that way we'll get a 6% of that purchase. Best thing, um, I ever, best thing I ever bought, by the way. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Um, if you want to help us more directly, you can become one of the many awesome iFanboy patrons. We've got hundreds of them, which is just mind-blowing. You can, on iFanboy.com slash support, there's a link over to Patreon, or you can go direct to Patreon.com slash iFanboy, and you can join the other 239, as of the time of this recording, patrons that are helping uh, fund this podcast. Uh, we have already met three of our goals, and we're we're about a little more than $600 away from the next uh, goal, which will be more T-shirts, and everybody loves T-shirts, so do that. Um, and we thank all the patron patrons who have helped support us, and in fact, we will be starting the parade of thank yous uh, very soon, right, Connor? Like, maybe next week? I meant to start it this week. Let's do it next week at 5.50. Yeah, I forgot to put them in the script, so we're going to do yeah. that for starting with 5.50. Yeah. My, my apologies. And then finally, if you don't want to be signed up for something, a recurring uh, payment like on Patreon, or you don't like Amazon, you just want to give us money directly one time, you can uh, donate via PayPal. There's a link on ifanboy.com slash support where you can do that. We thank everybody who has done that. ifanboy.com support. You're the best. I love you. Thank you. I love you. All right. Moving on. Um, Civil War II, The Fallen, number one. It's been a while since we've had a single one-shot issue celebrating the funeral of a hero. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. The last time this happened, it was one of the worst books of the decade of oh, the two- first decade of the 2000s. Luckily, this was not one of the worst books of the decade. Um, this is written by Greg Pak with art by Mark Bagley. And just two observations about this. It was art by Mark Bagley, but for some reason it didn't look nearly as good as all new X-Men. I don't know if it was the coloring or the inking or whatever, but it just looked rushed, looked weird. Well, he did it in 17 minutes. Yeah, probably. But the reason why I want to talk about this is because – so they have the funeral for – so Hulk is dead. Bruce Banner is dead. They're burying him. They put him in a coffin. And then, then there's a whole bunch of grieving. And then all of his quote-unquote family gather together for his will reading by Matt Murdock, who's everyone's lawyer. It turned out that he was sleeping with Rogue? No, no. It didn't. Rogue was not even in this book. No. Was there a lonely dog? No, there's no lonely dog. But there was a hysterical – uh, bequeathing of his will, Matt Murdock brings a hologram recording where Bruce Banner recorded, you know, in the case of my death, and his quote-unquote family consists of Tony Stark, Doctor Strange, Rick Jones, Betty Ross, Amadeus Cho, 
Scar, mm. and a bunch of aliens from the war from when he was on Planet, Planet Hulk. Hulk. So he gets so he goes through and he talks to everybody and he thanks them and gives them all something. There's money, whatever, and he gives the aliens from Planet Hulk. He he said I, I fixed your ship so you can go back home if you want. Um, and he says to Betty, you know, I've ruined your life. So you know, if you want, you know, if you want a new, um, uh, if you want a new identity, here you go. You know, you can you can be totally you can get a total fresh start. He goes and to Rick Jones, I bequeath you Jimi Hendrix's guitar. What? Well, that's not, I mean, that's not, to which that's not Rick, bad. To which Rick Jones says, what? And Bruce Banner hologram says, yep, Jimi Hendrix's guitar. And they never address it again. <laughs> Here's a question, and this is valid. Which guitar? Two questions. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's fine. Is Rick Jones left-handed? Uh, and, that, and I looked for the exact thing, and later he's playing right-handed. I'm not reading this. Yep. And also, 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 <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very disturbing. It's very, but, but like, I was just like, and so I just, I did a quick internet search to see if there was ever a Hulk issue where he got Jimi Hendrix's guitar. I can't find it. So I don't know why Jimi Hendrix's guitar was given to Rick Jones, how Bruce Banner got it. it this opens up a whole can of worms that I need answered. So, so Jimi Hendrix is 616 canon. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they should uh, yeah. bring him back from the dead. <laughs> okay, so that's it for Civil War Two. Move on. Uh, this week, Klaus number seven ended the Grant Morrison um, take on Santa Claus that began back in December that we have been enjoying from Boom Studios. Yep. And uh, this one got kind of demonic. Well, obviously because there's yeah. a giant demon in it, but it, it was a uh, was a nice little romp. And, and it answered all of our questions. It explained how how the how Klaus becomes Santa Claus. You know, he's now immortal, and he really doesn't quite know how. But um, and and, and we got the flying, we got the reindeer, we got we got well, the sled. He's got, we got, he's got the, wolves, the, flying the, wolves. Yeah, the flying wolves. Yeah, but yeah, we know. Yeah, he's immortal. But there's there's actually a nice little sequence at the end where he's, you know, it, it goes through time, kind of like six feet under, where we see the characters age, and but he doesn't age. Yeah. And so, how does he get his snowy white beard? Yeah, that's a good question. Is it fake? His hair, is he, is his hair ages. Yeah, no, his, hair not, his hair is not even aging throughout throughout the years. The, the, the girl's aging. And he gets scared at Halloween one year, and his hair turns white. It'll happen. I enjoyed yeah. this. This was a fun little uh, adventure. It's uh, it's it's not quite the gritty, realistic take on Santa Claus. It's a bit more fantastical, but it's fun. It's yeah. really fun. It's a nice little. Trade paperback if you if you have like a you know a younger kid who likes you know it's maybe a good Christmas gift not not for like a yeah. little kid but like a like a you know twelve year old yeah that's fun a tween a tween there you go yeah. a tweener a tweener what generation is that generation oh uh, the next generation is uh, the Wii generation by the way of course it is W I I no does no W E oh because that was too long ago the women's day. entertainment television. Yeah, wait, hang on. I was actually just having this conversation with a friend of mine who's doing, like, generational marketing research. Oh, God. And, and yeah, so it's Gen We, and it's people born 1996 to 2016, and their cultural ethos is the war on terror and social justice. And their oh, outlook God. is savvy. <laughs> that literally, that literally <laughs> is as is, uh, intuitive and telling as the Chinese food Zodiac menu. Right, I know. <laughs> Just like give, everyone just born give, in February, smart and quick. Just to give previous context, millennials, nineteen seventy eight to nineteen ninety five. First of all, that is ethos, bullshit. Their cultural bullshit. ethos is globalization and social responsibility, and their outlook is hopeful. Wait a minute. And then wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. What was the years again? Seventy eight to ninety five. That's 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 no, no. That's well, Gen Xers, the 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 generation that uh, that I self identify with, we are sixty five to seventy seven. Our cultural ethos is disillusionment and information, and our outlook it's is true. Our outlook is skeptical. <laughs> I would say that uh, tired, tired. <laughs> that, that came that came along later. <laughs> outlook tired. <laughs> I just want to say, like you said, disillusionment, uh, skepticism, and, and what was and what was inf- information? Like that's literally me. <laughs> Wait, no, you need complaining. <laughs> it goes with it. All right, let's talk about our uh, Batman number five from Tom King, David Finch, and a whole army of inkers. 
this is the final issue of this this first arc. The, and, uh, and my question is, what do we need to get a, a, a series that stars Alfred in the Batsuit? Well, that if, if there had been a pick of the week for a sequence or scene of the week, it would have been Alfred having to don the Batsuit to yep. pretend to be Batman and then not only driving the car, but having to get out and brandish his fists as if he was going to get into a fight. That was great. <laughs> I feel like, and then running I feel away. like after, the, after the thrubbing... Uh, that was given to Jim Lee earlier. I, I, we have to give it up to David Finch a little bit. Yeah. I know there's an army yeah, of inkers, yes. but yeah. I was not looking forward to this. And and I was like, his Alfred in the bat suit. I was like, that's pretty good. It's funny. It's great. It was uh, it was funny. It was it was you know accurate. It was cool. And you know I haven't had any of those. I don't like David Finch moments reading this. I've I've been enjoying it even with I, an army of inkers. I had a very similar thought that I was like, you know, I don't hate David Finch after these five issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, positive, positive. Yeah, uh, so it, give it, up. it wraps up with the Gotham twins. The uh, I don't remember their names. Is, is it Gotham and Gotham Girl? Gotham and Gotham Girl. Goth- and then at the end, they're just like, "Oh yeah," and all this happens. Suck it. Gotham dies. The Justice League shows up to help Batman, and uh, it's funny whenever the Justice League appears because depending on the book, they either don't trust Superman or they do trust Superman, or he's not on the team or he is in the team. And yeah, I don't understand. Doesn't really, doesn't really that, was a thought, that was a thought I had, is that I, I've never felt so disconnected to Superman than I do right now. Well, for five years. In the, in the rebirth of verse. Yeah. But as, as Josh mentioned, there's a little bit of future shadowing in that uh, there's, a, there's a narration happening from the future about how apparently Duke marries Gotham Girl and Batman dies and he kills Batman. I don't know what that means. There's there's like 15 possible futures for Batman. So in one of them, Duke accidentally kills Batman, maybe. Who knows? We don't know that it's an accident. Could have been on purpose. Yeah. But uh, this was fun. This was fun. Apparently, Batman then goes on a rampage where he brands everyone he arrests. <laughs> so they had to put him down. <laughs> oh, gosh. It, it is interesting how it's been mentioned in other books that the, part of the reason why Bart... Dick Grayson's globetrotting and Batgirl's also globetrotting is because Gotham feels very crowded right now, and he's got his own little new Batman family in these books. So it's we'll see yes. where this takes us. Yeah. I can see that. So let's move on to the patrons' choice. Uh, we've mentioned the last few shows that if you're a, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a save it if you're a patron of my fanboy, uh, you give it a certain level, you get to vote on what uh, to add one book to the show each week, and so far. They've run the gamut of choices. For This week, the vote was for Spawn Kills Everyone from Image Comics, written by Tom McFarlane with art by Jack Kirby. Nope. No? Nope. No. J.J. Kirby. That would be not, a pure story. Not Jack. Less of a, a sigh. I have a lot of questions about this book. Really? Because I don't have a lot. Mike? <laughs> uh, who is this for? What? Is the point right. the reality in the book makes no sense? Wait, I, I, Ron, I know you're going to ask a question. You can you can ask that. I have, I do. I have one question. Mm-hmm. Yep. How many pages were you into this before you were like, oh no, two, yeah, two, page two. Yep. Yep. Carry uh, on. Well, no, because I was going to say. That, so this is a one shot that is making Spawn into like a little Spawn. It's a little chibi Spawn. Little chibi spawn who goes to Comic Con to announce his new movie stuff. The problem is that I the problem is that I know too much underneath these panels. So, <laughs> but uh, well, it, this, anything this... reading this, and I would have said this even if I still went if I still worth an image. This screams um, old dad guy trying to be cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ron's Ron's former colleague Todd McFarlane and I went back. I was like, did Todd McFarlane write this? Yes. Yep. And it was like, here's what's wrong with Comic Con, and I was like, oh no, I don't have to sit through this. I wouldn't well, read this in an internet comment. It, yeah. See, that's fine. I don't mind the meta commentary oh. in Comic Con because whatever. But to me, but, to me, the problem I had was, and we're talking about a comic starring a chibi spawn. The the reality, <laughs> the reality, <laughs> the reality of the world didn't make any sense whatsoever. So if None. this is the actual spawn, why is he chibi? Were these? He thinks all the other superheroes are real, but they're not. They're just cosplayers. Does that mean there actual are superheroes in this world? Like it didn't. I didn't understand what I was reading in for a variety of reasons. But the most important one was. Like, ranting about this thing that isn't what it used to be, right? And and like and sadly, I mean, and I'm I, I, I'm uh, you know like 
just because people like what Scotty Young does with the babies doesn't like do your own thing. Right. That you know? that being said, the, the highlight really would have been the art by J.J. Kirby. Like I thought yeah. it was actually really well done, and and like there was great variance in the character designs and sort of interpretations. So I mean, here's the other thing. So he attacks the Iron Man character, and he thinks he doesn't Iron realize Man... that people are in costumes. No, but, no, 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 no. But he thinks Iron Man is real and there to promote his movie. But then when he opens up the guy's suit, he says, "You're not Robert Downey Jr.," which would imply he's yeah. he's the actor yeah. from the movie and not the real Iron Man. He should say, "You're not yeah. Tony Stark." If if these characters are real in the world, like that's why it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, it's just. I was actually looking, kind of looking forward to it because I always like a kind of silly, one character kills everyone story, you know, like the Punisher one. And, and yeah, and and I actually I was hoping that Todd drew it. Yeah. Because even even as Chibi Spawn, I would read a book drawn by Todd McFarlane doing Chibi Spawn. Right. Like that that's that that would be fine with me. But the fact that and not that, not to go anything against JJ Kirby because I do I do think that JJ Kirby was good. But I was I was as soon as I opened it, I was like, oh, it's not Todd. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I don't know. This is. But, I mean, but yet, I, I, yet it was so much Todd. <laughs> yeah, well, it was probably more. It was probably more Todd than I. I, I don't. It was more Todd. Like I feel like somebody should have been like, "Hey, Todd, yeah. maybe <laughs> not, maybe not." So, oh god. Well, thank you, patrons, for making us talk about this book every week. Uh, and we're adjusting it. We're gonna do it on Wednesdays now, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the plan. So every week moving forward on Wednesday morning, patrons go look on Patreon. There'll be a link to the poll where you can vote on what book you want us to discuss. The book that gets the most votes. We'll get um, we'll get discussed. Actually, and it's all levels of patrons can vote, right? Yeah, all levels. Yeah, can vote. I was wrong earlier. All levels can yep. vote. All levels can vote. Yes, sorry, sorry, I didn't catch that. So, so uh, yeah, go out there and vote. And and we've had you know Rom and this one and the other ones you guys talked about while I was animosity the the aftershock book with the animals that was the heart. good one. That's a good one and the Hickman book was the Black Monday Murders was a good. Oh, one, I didn't too, like it, so. but you did. But it's not a bad one. Not it wasn't. So, it was an objective leap. I love, I love that we're doing this. This is fantastic. I was in a comic store uh, last week, uh, and, and I was talking about how we were doing this, and they were like, oh, it's a great idea. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's been fun so far. Um, now, before we move on to your emails, just really quickly, we got to check into the, uh, the I Got This report. Right. Uh, it was a big week for I Got This, everyone. Big week, big week. We had not only one, but four instances of I Got This from the books that I read alone. Yeah. <laughs> there might be more. We had Civil War II Spider-Man, where the sound guy, the, 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 the villain in this, in this little miniseries, says, I got this. And then we had Justice League number three, where Cyborg says, I got this. <laughs> and, then, okay. and, then in, and then in Green Lanterns number five, a lot of DC this week, a lot of DC. Um, I forgot who said it in Green Lanterns number five. Did the girl Green Lantern say it, I think? Uh, I don't remember. One of them did. One of them said it. And then finally, the 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 most the the yeah the yeah so it was the uh, what's her name she says she's she's trying to psych herself up Jessica and she says, Jessica Cruz Jessica yeah she goes uh, you know she say she says sure okay I've got this I can do this Jessica Cruz says it and then finally um, the one that I thought was the most interesting was uh, Legends of Tomorrow number six which is written by Jerry Conway hmm. right drawn by <laughs> I don't have the credits in front of me yeah Jerry Conway wrote it Eduardo Panicia drawing it. And the opening page is Firestorm being, you know, dogpiled by a bunch of black costumed villains. And he goes, remember when I said I got this? I definitely don't got this. Oh, you got to go with I don't got this. <laughs> oh, the, oh, it's a swing and a miss. <laughs> no, he says I definitely don't. He said, no, no. Say, say, read the line. Remember when I said I got this? Mm-hmm. I definitely don't got this. See, okay. Well, definitely. See, definitely takes the punch out of it. Yeah. Remember when I got this? I don't got this. Yeah, I, and, and definitely was italicized too. Like there was stressed on. I definitely don't got this. You could read yeah. that like, um, oh, who's the who's the comedian who died? Who was in that Arrested Development movie? Did you burn down the banana stand? Most definitely. If you if you read it like that, it kind of works. I definitely got this. Anyway. So anyway, uh, a good or bad week for I got this. Um, for those of you who like to point out to us in, on Twitter, we appreciate it. Please let us know what book it comes from, so we can go verify. But, um, but also, so, let's just let's just put uh-oh. a note in here that a lot, you know a lot of people tweeted us instances of I got this or we got this, great, we love it, thank you. But it only applies to that phrase. I got this, yeah. we got this. It could possibly be also you got this. That's like a borderline. Yeah. It doesn't include any any sentence with the word got in it. 
That doesn't. Got is a is a perfectly valid word to use in a sentence. It doesn't include. I got some fruit. Yeah. There was a couple there, weeks ago. There was the the tribute to Superman the movie. Who I got you? Who's who's got you? You got me. Who's got you? Yeah. That is not in this in this scenario. Right. That is not the cliche in his proper usage of grammar. I got this. We got this. You got this. That is it. Yep, Does not it. include. I have this. Right. 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 We 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 determined. I have this is fine. So, yep. All of these are no. fine. Only those. Nothing else. Anything else is just a line of dialogue. Yep. Let's move on to emails. You gotta have All right. You gotta, you gotta have limits. All right. Josh, give us our first email. First email from Tyler from Sacramento, California, where it is hot. I really liked the Flintstones comic that came out, and I bought the first two issues after Ron spoke highly of it. And I feel like oh, the reason oh, I yeah, wait, it. hang on, Connor, Connor, you missed that. I, I'm on board for the Flintstones. I don't even. I don't even. Okay. He, no, no, no. And he convinced me to be on board too. <laughs> and you need to go back and listen because I was like, "Go ahead, talk." And then by the end, I was like, "Can I also subscribe?" All right. <laughs> All right. So uh, I feel like the reason I like it so much is because it's an obscure take on a familiar property, but it's still a quality comic. Do you have any more examples of obscure takes on co- characters that are still quality despite their diversion? Some that come to mind are Superior Foes of Spider-Man and Tom King's run on Vision. I think the fact that the Flintstones comic is so relatable to normal mundane life makes it so enjoyable. Anything else that accomplishes that while still being a licensed property sounds interesting to me. I think he's using the wrong word. It's not an obscure take. It's like like a variant. Offbeat or variant or unusual take. Obscure would... Yes, I, I would. I would. The, right uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind was was is Hawkeye is the fraction Aha, Aha run on Hawkeye, and while that that was you know I, I, I don't know if that was obscure or offbeat, but it was not the the norm. You know, it was what I mean? non traditional take on Hawkeye. Non traditional. I think that's yeah. the word you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was not. It was not the the Duragur style at the time. But it's also yeah. it's also kind. Of, I mean, the good and the bad of that is the the good is that it was a really good comic. The bad is that it's being aped by people who aren't as talented. Well, yeah. Well, that's and it's also changed the character completely from his. Oh well, yeah. What we liked about him. Anyway, uh, I'll go all the way back to the uh, old Justice League books. The basically the sitcom. Yeah, that's good. That Gibson yes. DiMatteis wrote for sixty issues. That was basically the Justice League as workplace sitcom. It was it was it was vaudeville, and uh, we were doing we were doing vaudeville and vaudeville. <laughs> That's an old fanboy reference if you're I mean, around. Isn't Spawn Kills Everyone an example of that? No. <laughs> uh, it is, it would be not. if it was quality. Yes. Uh, on, on, on offbeat takes on characters, familiar characters. Hey, that, might, that might be... I feel like there are more that I... I mean, I mean like, that's a fairly... So many of them are forgettable. Oh, oh, I guess. oh, oh. In, in, the same, in the 80s, again, there was the... Animal versions of Marvel characters. It was started with oh, Spider yeah, Ham, yeah. and then it was Captain America Cat. Um, yeah. They had well, that's whole... similar to uh, that, that. reminds me of X Babies. Right. Yeah. yeah. Scotty Young did Which that the... recently. No, but the first in the '80s, they did right, that in the Mojoverse. Yeah. They brought it yeah, back yeah, with so. Scotty Young recently. That was that would yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, be uh, I would. How about this one? How about GI Joe Cobra? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because it got yes. off of what. We always thought of his GI Joe comics and the GI Joe animated whatever, and he did something that, but still worked with the property yes. and was really good. That's, That's a really good, good one. Good call. All right, let's do the next. All right, John from Maine. Do any of you three remember 2003's Wild Guard series by Todd Nock about a reality show superhero team? This series' existence has stuck with me because they included reader voting to pick the fifth member of the team. Having pondered this for a baker's dozen years, I was still undecided. Uh, is it a great thing when publishers allow fans to choose a book? A book event carte blanche, like when DC allowed fans to kill Jason Todd, or a terrible thing that never works out well, like when DC allowed fans to kill Jason Todd. Uh, so to answer your first question, John, I absolutely do remember Wild Guard because I just saw those issues as I was going through my my collection a couple of weeks ago, and I remember collecting it at the time. I remember thinking how clever of an idea it was, and it was super cool, and I loved it when DC asked fans to call in to kill Jason Todd. I thought that was genius. I like it. There should be more of it. Yeah, I... Connor. I... I was there. I was in the trenches reading Batman books when Jason Todd was there and was. Did you did you call in? Yes. He what was did you an vote asshole. For? You voted. He to was kill? besmirching the memory of Dick Grayson, and he had to go. Well, hang on. You were like nine. No, I was. It was nineteen eighty. Was it four? No. Eighty-eight. So I was eleven. Was it eighty-eight? No, it wasn't eighty-eight. Yes, eighty-eight. I was eleven. No, I started reading comics. Yes. No, it was not 88. It was before that. Because it had to have been before that. 
No. No, 88. I'm sorry, you're wrong. 88. Also written. Oh, no. Oh, Jason Todd. Just say 88. I'm sorry, you're wrong. No, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong. (laughs) Even when you're admitting that you're wrong, you just called me wrong. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. It was 88 written by Jim Starlin. Yep, written yeah. by Jim Starlin. I'm sorry, Jason Todd was created by Jerry Conway. Yes. No, uh, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even like him as a kid. He was, he was the jerk. The yeah. jerk Robin. And anyway, that was a good idea. The 80s, the 80s uh, like boy hero wasn't ever the jerk. He was, he, was, he, was, he was like a Han Solo kind of thing. He was like, he was oh, kind Robin, of he, he, killed, he killed people as Robin. He killed, uh, he threw a guy off a balcony. Right. So that would be jerk behavior. Yeah, yeah. But the good the good thing about allowing the fans to do it is that you can't have the fan backlash because it's your fault. Yeah, you can. They just have to backlash against believe, themselves. I can't believe that uh, DC editorial allowed this call to be made, even though when it was clearly the wrong move. <laughs> Why don't they just tell the story they should have been telling instead of this gimmick shit? See, you can do it. <laughs> All right, last email. I, 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 well, just to follow up with John from Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the fan participation in story is terrible. That's a terrible. No, I think. I, I like it. I like it's, it. It's it's circusy and gimmicky. It doesn't lead to necessarily telling of a good story. I think it can be it can be fun when used it's in a madness. fun kind of manner. It, I mean, it's yeah, it's, I mean, it's a it's a gimmick. I don't think Civil War should be decided by fans calling in the winning hundred number. But doing a offbeat series like Wild Guard that that not a lot of people read as a way to call attention to it. I think I think there's a creative way to involve the fans. What about in some book? In some books, not all. Marvel versus DC, where the fans got to vote on the winners of the fights. That was fun. That was great. That's perfect. That is a gimmick. To it's a gimmick. I, I, I'm not denying it's a gimmick. I'm not, yes, you know, so. All right, final email. <laughs> Zach from Big Bear, California. After the recent announcement that Invincible is ending with issue 144, it led me to think about myself as a comic reader. While not for long and hard, it was a moderate thinking session, and we should note that this week uh, Robert Kirkman announced that he's ending Invincible with issue 144. Zach says, I've been reading comics on a regular basis since the summer of 2009, and a lot of books have come and went, but I've always had books such as Chew and Invincible in my pull list since that fateful summer. While the books have yet to end, it's weird to imagine that I won't have an issue of either of those books waiting for me in my stack. It's not a sad feeling, but I can equate it to selling your first car. It was your first car with this whole new experience. So it's strange to say goodbye to something that led to an all-new experience for you. Perhaps it's a sense of longing for the past or wishing to rekindle that experience once again. Did any of you... Experience a similar. I know, no, I know nothing. I know nothing about a sense of longing for the past and wishing to rekindle that experience once again. <laughs> nothing of that. Did Go any on. of you experience a similar feeling back when you started <laughs> reading or returned to reading comics? Did any of you still ex- do any of you still experience this feeling to this day? I have no idea what it feels like <laughs> to be haunted by nostalgia of, of yesterday. No idea. Desperately clinging onto it. Yeah. Desperately wishing that you know, it was 1996 again. <laughs> earlier, when we talked about skepticism and disillusion, we just came up with one for Ron's generation, whatever your specific generation is. This is you. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, you're talk- I mean, you're talking about when 90210 went ended, right? Yeah. Uh, any, any, any litany of things that I wish were still around. I mean, you it, know what? What's I, for us? I literally, I literally said to, to, to my girlfriend the other day, I'm nostalgic for this moment already. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a stand up joke. No, it's it's from uh it was from uh uh no Bombback movie. That's what okay. it was. Yeah. So Um Well I think with us, because we started reading earlier than two thousand nine, like we had different eras that sort of ended and as we get into this new fifty two and the sort of the reboots, like for Ron, you know, Uncanny X Men ended. Right. Yeah. We had like, we went through that crisis. Like, we went through that. Yeah. Or or but, like yeah. I can look back and say, um like when Hellblazer ended, that was like, oh, that vertigo that I loved, like that's done. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's a really that's a really good example of it. I'm sure you guys have earlier ones than that, but well, I mean, when when they you know they, the detective comics, that's you know, or yeah, or Batman. That's it's harder when you've been reading for decades as opposed to seven years. But yeah, even though there's a title, it it wasn't it wasn't this. I mean, it right. wasn't the same thing. There were all the new Fifty Two was Although sort of. Although I did feel that a bit. When we had books like Scalped or yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man, and because those books had always been around while we were do, doing iFanboy. Yeah. So uh, it was like uh, I, we, Central right. or so we like had, any of the really good early iFanboy era books. It's like when Scalped or – not Scalped. That's a, Scalped is a good example. But I think it was um, when Powers finally ended. Like that was, a sh- that was a book that was one of our first – Picks of the week. It was on our first episode of the podcast. Like so, it, uh, when we've been doing Did this. Powers end? 
Well, ended 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 its first run. <laughs> it's technically still going, but yeah, because I mean, I kind of dropped off because it was Ultimate so... Spider Man. We'll say, yeah, that's yeah. a book that's been around the entire, literally the entire time. Well, Ultimate <laughs> Spider Man is a great example because it it debuted the year we started iFanboy. So when that finally ended, it was like, oh, I've never done this thing without this book being in the world, and that's I guess right. that's a similar feeling that Zach has. Yeah. Scalped, Hellblazer, Transmetropolitan. Lucifer, like those are all those those you know um, Vertigo series that yeah. that meant a lot. I never read Preacher as it was coming out, so that doesn't count in there. But well, I, I mean, the, the feeling of being sad for, that a book is not going to be in your staff. I mean, I, I remember how despondent I was over Strangers in Par- Paradise ending. Yes. Yes, that that that's the one that that when I yeah, think about that, that's about the one that, that yeah, because it was like that was that was I was depressed for weeks. I don't know, Ron. I, f- <laughs> now, I felt that now way I'm when, depressed. S- when Smallville ended because yeah. It's that this thing that's gone. Had, had yeah. de- had, it had I, debuted the year we started iFanboy, and so we'd always been, it had always been there, something, always something we had always talked about covered on the website, and then it ended, yeah. and it's like, whoa, that's weird. So you know, I get it. I get it. You know, what's funny is that sort of with the advent of episodic television, like I sort of put those things together, so I could say the same thing about Mad Men or, you know, The Wire or something like that. I was so used to getting those things, it's not not every month or every week, but regularly, and and then they're not a part of. Uh, you don't get any more. Like, oh, I'm not getting any more of this ever. Right. Same thing. Same thing. Same. Right. Oh. Thanks, Tyler, John, and Zach for writing in. If you have any questions or comments, you want to get in on the conversation, of the show, you can email us at contact at ifanboy dot com. Don't forget to tell us who you are, where you're from, and tell us how long you've been thinking about the question, because it helps to know how much to respect it absolutely yeah no yeah no one told us no moderate thinking so based okay. on many responses we, or questions we get on twitter and facebook this is the part of the show where most people stop listening to plugs really because everyone's always asking when are these shows coming and we always talk about it oh. right here maybe we should start doing this at the top of the show <laughs> maybe we should make them listen longer yeah maybe anyway but if for those of you who are still listening um if you haven't gone back and listened to the the suicide squad podcast you can it's in the feed uh, in that podcast, Mike Romo and I discussed the movie Suicide, Suicide Squad and apparently pissed a lot of people off. So uh, check that out. Uh, Every time say, that we don't like a movie collectively, we piss people off. Or yeah, even yeah. just one of us doesn't like it. Well, my favorite was that some, somebody wrote to me on Twitter and they were just like, listen to the podcast. I totally disagree with you. It was a fun time in the movies. And I was just like, great. I'm glad you liked it. You know, <laughs> we like, often, you know, we like, often say that. The, peop- yeah, the people yeah. who enjoyed Suicide Squad, who enjoyed Batman vs. Superman, are the ones who are lucky because they're going to get more of that. Yeah, so great. I'm glad you Enjoy liked it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I did a Talksplode podcast interview with uh, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco, um, the uh, collaborators, writer, and artist on um, Invisible Republic, as well as a bunch of other work. Uh, that is our first uh, Talksplode after achieving the Patreon goal. Yes. Um, right. and, and so now you can look forward to either a Talksplode or Booksplode once a month. Or that. But it was a really fun conversation. Uh, Gabe will tell you his opinion. <laughs> Unprompted. <laughs> Which is no, why, that's, that's why we love them. So, and then other times I didn't. So, speaking of, of that, <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, play your game, pal. So, uh, Josh, so, so uh, I'm sorry. Then this next one, Connor, is one of the most asked questions of the summer. Well, I was gonna segue into the second oh. one first, which is that, oh. as Josh mentioned, we're gonna have a, a talksplode or a booksplode every month. Josh just had a talksplode come out. Next month, you can look forward to a booksplode. We picked out the book. You know, at least two of us are gonna read it and talk about it, and yep. uh, you, you can look forward to that sometime in September. And but the thing Ron is talking about, uh, the animation brain trust has not disbanded, despite all the questions on Twitter. Despite the fact that I've talked about this on many episodes, we're going to be doing a podcast on the Killing Joke. I was just gone for two weeks; obviously, couldn't do it then. Uh, we're going to probably record it this coming week and then release it maybe the week after, depending on when we do it. But but Paul and Ryan and I are going to get together and discuss the controversial Brian Azzarello written animated adaptation of the Killing Joke. That's going to happen. I've got it sitting on my counter at home. And finally, be fun. next week is episode 550. And if you're a long-term listener, you know that on the 50s, we like to do an all-email show. So we're probably, probably doing that next week. Probably should have warned people a couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, the thing is, we have a lot of backed-up email. So yeah. you can write in an email for the show and title it 550, and we'll give those uh, priority consideration. you got to write them in by, we'll say, let's say Wednesday. Wednesday the yeah. 24th. But we also have hundreds of emails you guys have written us that we haven't gotten to on the show yet. So we will pull from those and we'll do an all-email extravaganza next week. Yep. 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 Exciting times. Mm-hmm. 
All right, and finally, uh, if there's not enough excitement in your life, you should go back and listen to Goodfellas Minute, uh, goodfellasminute.com. All the episodes are there. It's a complete podcast from beginning to end, 146 episodes for you to listen to. Start whenever you want. Listen at your own pace. Um, if you enjoy the movie Goodfellas, the works of Martin Scorsese, or the various parkways and expressways of Long Island, uh, <laughs> then Goodfellas Minute is the podcast for you. We put a lot of hard work into it for no other reason than to entertain you. So we hope if you haven't enjoyed it yet, you enjoy it today. Someone just emailed us or messaged us this week saying they just listened to all of them. That's excellent. That's awesome. Did Josh fall asleep? Did you fall asleep? No, I didn't. I just I had moved the thing, and then I was like, where's the thing? And I couldn't get the thing. Head over to iFanboy.com. You can comment on this show. You can talk about this week's books and find out all about our other podcasts and everything we've ever done. It's all in one place over at iFanboy.com. Of course, you can follow us on Facebook at iFanboy or Facebook.com slash iFanboy. And, of course, at iFanboy on Twitter. And you can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan, C.S. Kilpatrick, and Ron XO. Finally, if you like to share a right review on iTunes, that's how people find podcasts. It's the best way to help us out. If you can't in any other way, it takes you two seconds. And better yet, tell your friends and family about podcasts. Tell them about iFanboy. That's the best thing to do. Tell your mom. Moms love us. And yep. uh, maybe not the show. They love us personally. <laughs> they help, really do. Help us moms, the iFanboy love. Moms love all three of us individually for different reasons. That's Specific moms. That's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Ron. And this is Josh's mom. Oh, that got oh. weird. Oh, that got, <laughs> she's got a deep voice. Yeah. Like the free on the cold out of the hotel door Or the white rock of fade over Kid Canaveral You've been a daughter to me, you buried shoebox grief I felt you pull the guy's love like Savannah heat While the waterfall was pouring crazy symbols of my destiny